0: Whatever you're bringing to the table today, I hope this episode proves to be a dose of inspiration for you on your quest to become a well-cared-for human. You can find the episode show notes, your free wellness blueprint, and more at awellcaredforhuman.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hello humans, it's your host Corey, back with another episode of A Well-Cared-For Human. Last time I touched on how unprocessed grief can interfere with our ability to take care of ourselves, but grief isn't the only blockage that I've encountered when trying to heal myself. In fact, one of the biggest obstacles that I struggled with was my sense of time. I felt, and still do often feel, as though I have no time whatsoever to invest in taking care of myself. There is so much pressure on me to fulfill the 5,000 commitments that I have in any given day that the idea of taking even 5 minutes for something useful, like journaling or meditation, seems not only impossible, but unreasonable. So for this reason, one of the best moves I made for myself was learning how to free up my mental space and reprogram my sense of time when I need to. Even for the scientists who study time, they have found it isn't as fixed as we've come to believe it is, in our world of clocks and appointments. Or I could point out that Einstein famously explained relativity by saying, an hour sitting with a pretty girl on a park bench passes like a minute, but a minute sitting on a hot stove seems like an hour. So I'm not the only one who believes that the passage of time, how we experience time in our day-to-day lives, is somewhat of an illusion and that there's a great deal more fluidity there that we can experiment with and bend to our advantage when we need to. But I fully acknowledge that no matter how fluid time really is, the fact remains that most of us feel like every second of every day is eaten up by one thing or another, and the pressure that causes this excruciating speed and breakneck pace only amplifies our feelings of time scarcity. Some of this pressure we feel is social, and some of it is habitual. Unfortunately, we can't do a lot about the social pressure, We're going to continue to hear narratives daily about how we need to hustle ourselves to death in order to achieve all of our big dreams. How we aren't really as successful, insert social role here, unless we achieve this laundry list of 50 expectations for that role every day. Nope, those narratives are going to continue to bombard us no matter what we do, so really all I can say to that is address it with self-compassion. Whenever you find yourself up against these unrealistic social expectations, Try saying a simple, Yep, that's what the world tells me I gotta do, but you know what, that's not what's best for me right now. Personally, I say this to myself about a hundred times a day, and it varies how often and well it works. But that doesn't stop me from holding out hope that one day I'll just totally be over the expectations of others. On the days that I can accept that the world will not be any less insane no matter what I do or say, I turn my attention instead to what I can control, which is me. By focusing on ourselves, not only are we more likely to see actual progress in our lives, but we can start to break down the habitual ways we add pressure to ourselves and our lives. That's great, because when we break these habits, we free up more space in our minds and time in our days. But maybe you think I'm being too optimistic. Maybe you think there's no real way to relieve all of this tremendous pressure of go-go-go all day and do-do-do all the things. When everything is begging for our attention, is it really even possible to slow things down? I can only say that from my experience, yes, I have found that I can slow my life down with a few best practices. My first best practice is paying attention to how I speak to myself. It took me a long time to realize and accept that the person putting the most pressure on me was me. And let me just say that was a bitter pill to swallow. It was much easier to believe that everyone else was to blame for how horrible I felt. It was a lot more difficult to accept that the person who was torturing me the most was myself. For the fact remained that no matter what happened or didn't happen in a day, one person was always there. Me. And it was that one person who was always running her mouth. And if you've been working on your awareness at all, you'll know what I'm talking about. You may have noticed that we humans talk to ourselves all the time. And I do mean all the time. The problem with this is that usually what we're saying is horrible. We're the ones stating our expectations and demands, comparing and measuring ourselves against others. We're the ones criticizing ourselves for all of our perceived failures and flaws. We're the ones telling ourselves how we have to do better and be better, how we are never enough, And if we dare to stop and take a look at this pattern, it's usually nothing but criticism and complaining that we see in there. But when I stopped criticizing myself every minute of every day, when I stopped complaining about how I wanted myself to be different, or for other things to be different, I was surprised to find how much of that pressure disappeared, and how suddenly everything got so much easier for me. Now, to be perfectly honest, have I mastered this? No. I've just reduced it from about 99% self-criticism to somewhere in the 15 to 20% range. But let me just tell you, that has made a huge difference. I do still aspire to get it down to 1%, but in the meantime, I'm just gonna keep working on my awareness, catching myself when I'm complaining or criticizing, and interrupting this bad habit wherever I can. And I'm not asking you to act like everything is great and you have no problems. That's called toxic positivity, It's unrealistic and it sounds miserable. It's okay to note the things that you want to change and improve in your life. It's just that I have found personally that I make a lot more progress and I'm happier to do the work when I'm not beating myself with a stick and yelling at myself the whole way up the road. So the first habit to break in order to give yourself more time? Stop the self-criticism. It does not serve you in any way. You will not, in fact, get farther or work harder, or do better. All you're doing is breaking yourself down and wearing yourself out. I promise it does not serve you in any way, especially none of these ways you've told yourself it's helping you. The great news is that stopping the criticism and complaining actually requires no additional time. It's happening along with whatever else you're doing in the day. The real trick will be to catch yourself when you're doing it and to remember to replace the criticism with something more helpful. That's how we break the habit. So, for example, with me, if I start in with the habitual, why can't I just insert expectation here, when Deborah does it twice as fast and three times as better as I do, and I just stop myself right there? Who gives a shit what Deborah is doing? I mean, me, obviously, but I shouldn't do that to myself. Instead, I try for something like, why can't I just Actually, I can't because I don't have to. I don't need to. I'm just going to do me right now and that's pretty good and it's a perfectly acceptable place to start here, right here as me. And yes, I really do sound that awkward when speaking to myself half the time. But you will get better at it with practice. Self-love talk is a skill that can be built upon and improved with time. But awkward is a wonderful starting point. Don't be scared of awkward. Run with awkward. Awkward is great. Also, just a fun side note about complaining and criticism. Chances are that if you criticize yourself a lot, you might also be criticizing the people in your life a lot. At least this was true for me, I'm embarrassed to say. I picked up my father's very bad habit of criticizing not just me, but other people, and it wasn't until I started paying attention to how I talked to myself that I noticed how I was also talking to the people I loved. It's not my best attribute, but I am glad that I've noticed it. And now I make it my business to not only speak kinder to myself, but also to the people I love. My second best practice for freeing up time and space was learning to treat my time as sacred. This was hard because not only do I chronically undervalue my time, but I am a people pleaser. I do not like to say no to people. I don't like to disappoint people. I don't know how to assert that my own needs might be just as important or more important, at least to me, than the needs of the people around me. So that means that I was definitely a yes man for a long time. Or is it a yes woman? It really doesn't matter. My point is is that I was giving a lot of my time away for free to people and expectations because I thought I had to in order to be liked or loved. But instead of getting love, what I was really doing was devaluing myself and my time. And this gets tricky if you have kids, of course. I'm just gonna throw that out there. But apart from that special relationship of which I have no experience, You should put yourself first always. And again, even though I don't have kids, I can't imagine that you would be much use to them if you also don't prioritize taking care of yourself. The only problem with this is that most people don't like it when you put yourself first. They'll accuse you of a lot of things. They might call you selfish, or they might call you self-involved, maybe egotistical, because they are not putting themselves first. So how dare you have the audacity to do it when they can't do it? All of this boils down to learning how to say no. Best practice number two? Say no. This was so hard for me. I still struggle with it, but now at least I have a line that I say automatically when confronted with something I don't want to do. Someone asks me for something and I say, I am so sorry, but no, I can't. I hate to disappoint you, but I just don't have time for that right now. Seriously, I use this line every time I need to say no. Does it mean that I'm not sincere? Absolutely not. Does it mean that in these moments I'm panicking and so I just go straight to my script? Absolutely. So this comes across as rather dramatic for something like, Hey Corey, do you want another cookie? I am so sorry, no, I can't. I hate to disappoint you, but I just don't have the time for that right now. So as you can see, it doesn't match every situation, but I still use it and stick to it because otherwise I just would clam up and not know what to say in the moments where I felt pressured. And then I would be mad at myself later if I said yes. Or I would come across as wishy-washy, because then I would have to call this person up later and be like, hey, sorry, look, I know I said yes before, but I meant no. Why am I saying no? Um, I'm saying no because, uh, well, and then it just becomes a mess. I also want to stress here that you can say no for any reason. If you don't want to do it, no. It does not matter if you were 100% free and you have zero things on your agenda and the only thing you had planned was being in your pajamas and eating some chocolate ice cream, you can still say no. Does it matter if they did something nice for you and you feel like you owe them? Not at all. You can still absolutely say no. It really comes down to a simple, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. These days I take notes from my pug Charlie. When he doesn't want to do something like go outside to pee in the rain, he'll just sit down right where he is and refuse to come to me. He'll wag his tail, he'll droop his ears, maybe he'll show me his belly, but what he will not do is get up and do what I've asked him to do. And I think we can all learn from Charlie's example. He is not receiving any less love and attention and care because he refuses to do things he doesn't want to do. It's true that our human lives are a little more complicated than that, but I still think that if you don't wanna do something, you shouldn't do it, especially not at the expense of your own care and well-being. Now, do people get upset when you say no? Yes. In fact, that was why I struggled with no for so long, because from a trauma perspective, there were real repercussions in my past. If I dared to say no to someone, if I tried to assert that I had needs in any way, I would be punished for that. But I still stand by this idea that we need to start saying no to everything we don't want to do. Anything that doesn't make you happy or bring you joy. Anything that brings you down. Unless someone is gonna die because you say no, then say no. No. See, it's easy. I'm doing it. No. No. And just do your best to stick to that when people try to pressure you into changing your mind to a yes. If you know that you need to go home and meditate and journal, and someone else is trying to get a yes out of you instead, stick to your no. And it might help you to journal or explore why you feel like you can't say no to people. Maybe even certain people. Why do they make you feel the most pressured? Where do you think that's coming from? And why do you put up with it? Maybe in other areas of your life too, where do you feel the most pressure? Look at that stuff and start making a plan now for how you're gonna get away from those people and those situations, because it's not healthy to be around people or jobs where you can't say no. In fact, it's very toxic for people to ignore your boundaries like that. And in case no one has told you this, let me be very clear. If you can't say no, get out of there. Those people or places are not good for you. Last tip for the day, tip number three, meditate. Come on, you knew this was coming. But seriously, Pima Chodron makes a joke that goes something like this. Meditate every day for 30 minutes. But if you feel like you're in a hurry and too busy for 30 minutes, you'd better make it an hour. And that's it. That's the joke. Buddhist nuns, I tell ya. But she's right. In addition to freeing yourself up of all the obligations that don't bring you joy, and to stop complaining and stop criticizing, meditating is a great way to slow down the mind and increase our perception of time. When I'm meditating regularly, I feel like I have more time. When I stop meditating, time always speeds up for me, and I suddenly feel like there are 10,000 things to do. The real challenge is to make myself sit down and meditate even when I feel pressed for time. That's sometimes still a sticking point for me. But when I am able to manage it, I'm always glad that I followed through. So all right, that's it for today. These are my recommendations for giving yourself more time stop all the criticizing and complaining, meditate, say no, get rid of all of the things in your life that don't bring you joy. These are also just pretty healthy self-care practices in and of themselves. So there's an added bonus for you. As always, I hope you found this helpful, and I will be back next week with NEEDS, how to identify what you need in your life to feel happier, healthier, and well cared for. This episode of A Well-Cared-For Human was written and produced by me, Corey Marie. The music was by Late Night Feeler and Esther Abrami. If you like what I'm doing here, please consider visiting my Patreon. For as little as a dollar a month, you get early ad-free access to the episodes, as well as a monthly patrons-only Q&A, bonus videos, and more. Not to mention that your Patreon support lets me know that you find value in the show and want it to continue. You can find me on Patreon by visiting www.patreon.com forward slash If you can't support the show financially, that is okay. You can still subscribe to the show, leave a review of the show, and recommend the show to your friends, not just the neurotic ones. All of this helps so much. And as always, thank you for listening.